it was really hard to tear yourself away from the players you become so close with in a community that you really enjoyed. Did you um, ever think about going back to the National Football League? His AD's listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, the Westcon Football Podcast. Back with you, Bart Pasterna, along with Coach Joe Loth. We're going to have a special guest today, and we're talking a few other things besides just football. But before we get things going, Coach Loth, I have to ask you two quickie things about the world of professional football. And that would be, number one, there's going to be a spring league, USFL Returns so to speak, albeit in some sites that don't necessarily match up to the team names. Uh, your thoughts on adding another pro league, albeit a spring league? Uh, I'm always 100% for adding spring leagues and leagues of football. It means opportunities for players to play more football. It means jobs for coaching football, and I've got friends coaching the USFL right now, so it's all good. I think uh, because the NFL doesn't have its own minor league system, I think the more leagues out there means more opportunities for everyone to have the opportunity to play in the NFL. Yeah, because back in the days of NFL Europe, uh, you certainly did have opportunities there, and some people did get noticed and offered NFL contracts. Not everybody's going to get a deal, but it's just like – the minor leagues in baseball or other sports, not everybody gets to the next level. But here's an opportunity where you might propel yourself into that kind of position. Yeah, without a doubt. Anytime you're playing football, you're putting more plays and film on your football resume to be evaluated at the next level. And then, you know, what's interesting, too, if you look back at the old NFL Europe a ton of coaches started off there. They ended up in the NFL or in college ranks. They got their first start there. So opportunities in football are great for everyone, whether yeah, that's, it's coaches, that's players, fans. Yeah. Here with the USFL, it, not just players, but coaches, administrators, et cetera, an opportunity uh, to add something to the old resume for somebody out there. Uh, either way, if you're a player, coach, ad, administrator, that's all, that's all good, and it brings back – small memories because I can remember when there was the original USFL. I don't think we're ever going to have another XFL uh, out there. Uh, they, they, Vince McMahon has tried to keep uh, bringing it back in some form, but the pandemic interfered. I think the XFL will be back too. Oh. The reason I say that is I think football is such a sport that no one's really cracked the code on getting a second league. Except for the CFL. The CFL has been around, you know, for over 100 years. So all these leagues kind of start to get going. Someone gets greedy or something doesn't work out. It folds. Someone starts another league and kind of – so I would not be surprised if the XFL comes back. Uh, you know, what's interesting, you talk about the advantages of these extra leagues. Uh, our guest speaker here in a little bit was a, a guy that, that coached in the, the CFL – Back when it was part of the United States, which people I don't remember that the Canadian Football League was part of the United States back way when. I think, if, I, if I'm correct, he might have been in Shreveport, Louisiana, mm-hmm. coaching in the CFL. Yeah. <laughs> so, but once again, opportunity stuff. And this just opens up doors for players and coaches. So it's all good. Well, I mean, if the XFL comes back, I just hope they keep the promise. None of the funky, weird stuff. 
uh, going on. You know, there's crazy leagues now. There's one that's called the Fan League, I think, where the fans can call the plays. There's all kinds of crazy leagues now. But it's all about chasing that NFL money where they have this league with no minor leagues. They're trying to either compete against it directly, like the old USFL, Mm -hmm. or maybe become a secondary league because football, you know, obviously is America's sport right now. It's the most popular sport. And uh, people are trying to, you know, figure out a way to make money off it. Well, and obviously the other thing is, as long as television broadcasters and streamers want content, somebody will try and find a way to devise another football league. Without a question, because, you know, the thing that's made football as popular as it is, is it's probably the best TV sport out there. Like, it's just the how the commercials line up and everything is really, it's a great TV sport. And uh, as you said, with live content, you know, that's the, you know, you can record all kinds of series and watch them later, but everybody wants to watch sports live, so it gives it that added benefit of being a great TV product. Now, staying in a football vein with Coach Loth, I have to ask you, because I was thinking about this the other day, somebody questioned me and said, what what do you think? Because they're jonesing for football. You know, they're, they're not into this, they're not into that. They, when the gap is there, they're jonesing. So what do they do? They go to the DVDs. They may even bring out the old video player and look for football movies. Now, there have been many football movies over the years. Uh, you know, some that didn't necessarily concentrate on football itself. There was yeah, some extracurriculars going on. Did you ever, and to this day, do you still have a favorite football movie? Definitely have a favorite football movie. It's one that uh, you probably have to be my age or older to even know. Probably don't know that the star that was the star in it actually played in it, but there's a movie back in the 80s called All the Right Moves. Mm -hmm. It was a high school football movie out of western Pennsylvania high school. I'm from northeast Ohio. There's never been a a movie closer to my high school experience than than watching that movie. It starred Tom Cruise. uh, One of the Penn brothers was in it. And it really is a it's my go to movie as far as uh, you know professional or high school or college any kind of movie about football it's my favorite movie by far. Yeah, well the the, the gentleman who I won't I won't name because I don't want people to know about his addiction to football movies. Uh, he's got them all stacked up. He's got Remember the Titans, and he's got Any Given Sunday. I won't say it's my favorite football movie, but a football movie if it's on, I will sit down and and watch at least until the next commercial if it's coming up on a channel is a goofy movie the the replacements <laughs> yeah uh, because ultimately it proved coach loth that gene hackman is a multi multi sport coach yeah no question who's and a very good one <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, the problem with, with all these TV movies uh, as a coach or someone that played before is sometimes watching the actual football action and realizing how bad it really is, like how unrealistic, <laughs> like, or even even the movie, I like all the right moves, had a two-man coaching staff, and so there's a lot of, I don't know if they're called flaws, but you look at some of these TV movies or, or, or actually football movies, and you're like... That ain't a great football scene. You know, that's just, you know, that guy could never play real college football, real pro football, but but it's all good. Yeah, well, and, and people should realize that if you've never been to a high school game, trust me, 
there's more than two coaches. <laughs> no question. Even even on because there are people who will line up to volunteer to coach. Yeah, and you know, and then you you look at stuff like that. There's a TV show called Coach with Craig T. Nelson and stuff like that. That was a pretty funny show. So unrealistic. Three-man staff. They had Dauber <laughs> as the special teams coach. They had, I forget who it was, Jerry something was the defensive coordinator. It was just a fool on TV. So, you know, TV movies and stuff, they're, they're funny and all that stuff, but you just kind of sometimes shake your head at them as a coach. Although, when is the when is the last time, and speaking of the Greg Nelson show coach, when is the last time a college football team went to a bowl game at any level with just three coaches? I don't know if that's ever happened. Maybe back in 1906. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's true that you know this is this is the bottom line. Uh, we we enjoy them, but we also eh, would love to have a little more realism in in what's going on. But you know, all the right moves comes close. Yeah, you know, and, and what it is is you know. It's kind of from my era, from my kind of high schoolish. You know, they had the pep rally, looked just like my high school pep rally, and all that stuff. That's that's what relates to me is the the uh, almost behind the scenes stuff as much as the football stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I had to ask it. So um, I'm not going to say my my friend will put it at the at the top of his list. I keep going for the the replacements just so I can see Keanu Reeves boat one more time uh, in that. Yeah, a lot of great uh, Hollywood actors have been football guys, right? <laughs> Jamie Foxx. Well, here's the thing. Wouldn't you love to just be out on a pier someday and find a football quarterback yeah. on a boat? Yeah, no question. And he's, <laughs> and he's starting right away. <laughs> shake that. Shake the rust off. Well, coming up, we've got a great guest who has had success as a player. Uh, and it, it certainly was a vaunted one in his day, certainly has put together a magnificent coaching career at multiple levels and has been one of the uh, one of the best examples for for kids, I think, out there of how to do it, how to get it done all the right way. So I'm gonna have two of you at the same time. <laughs> chatting, chatting with who who get it done the right way and are successful with that process. Proof in the pudding, Coach. Yeah, Bob. Uh, obviously, Bob Serace is coming on, the head coach of Princeton. Good friend of mine. Uh, we actually coached here together as young coaches, but uh, he's won multiple, multiple Ivy League championships here in the last uh, five or ten years. And but maybe one of the best guys, best persons I've ever met in my life too. That's. Uh, just, just an unbelievable guy. One of only two, two guys to win an Ivy League championship as a player and as a head coach. That's interesting. I and know. Uh, and so he has he has done it. I believe Coach Sarace can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Buddy Stevens, who's gone back and forth coaching uh, has in the Ivy League, did it as a player and has done it as a coach. That's a remarkable stat because they've been playing Ivy League football since probably 1880. You know what I mean? That's an unbelievable stat to be part of. Oh, well, he's just one of the best, and he'll be joining us here on the Westcon Football Podcast. 
All right, we are back. Interview time here on the Westcott Football Podcast. Bart Masterna, Coach Joe Loth, and the esteemed gentleman from Princeton, former Westcott head football coach Bob Sarace. He has he's done it all. He's coached at multiple levels, National Football League assistant, and has had a marvelous, marvelous run with Princeton as well. And, and Coach, before we get cooking, so you can slap me early in the chat, I just I, I had said to Coach Loth, I believe you're one of only two individuals to win an Ivy League championship as a player and as a coach. Is that true? Yeah, that is true, Buddy Tevens and I. Boom! I got something right. Thank you. I love it, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, Bob, I was saying, man, that's for the, well, how long has the Ivy League been playing? Since like 1880 or something like that? Yeah, our first game was 1869. Princeton Rutgers um, played. Um, the Ivy League, so the teams have been playing since the 1800s. The Ivy League was formed in 1956. So oh, the really? league play began in 56. Yeah, unbelievable stat, though, really. Yeah. Well, well Coach, you've had a, you had a, coming off another great season with, uh, with Princeton, um, you've had, what, at least four titles during your time there, four, four titles. You may have had a share a little bit, but you're a benevolent man. You know, you'll share. Um, it's, it's really been great to see the success there. And I have to be honest, Coach Loth, Coach Serace, it, it has piqued my interest. It has made me invest in learning more and finding out more about Ivy League football because your keister is there running the show. <laughs> well, thank you. And I, I think in the athletics professions, you, you become close with people. Like, Joe, I don't know if Joe told you, we roomed together in 1996, <laughs> right? When I first got to WestCon, Joe, I was fortunate. He took me in with a few other guys, his roommates. Um, Jefferson Street, right? Yep. Jefferson Street, and what a blast. And we're all young, and um, those uh, <laughs> nights, we'd come home late nights talking football, uh, watching TV, laughing, having a great time. But th- those nights are impactful, and um, so many of the assistants during that 1990s, they've just gone on to great success. And um, it- it's you follow people, and you follow people you care about. Yeah, if I remember right, Bob, me and you were the only ones that had our own room in that house, too. <laughs> yeah, we had some peace and quiet, unlike uh, Wiley and Berkey and all those guys. Gary Kroll. <laughs> Kroll. <laughs> well, you know, the uh, the thing is, uh, before Westcon, you'd already been into coaching, so uh, you kind of had an idea what was going to be happening at uh, at Division Three, but... You know, you when you eventually become the the head coach, I'm I'm wondering because you you're you're or, you're already an assistant. You're in the program as an assistant. Is it a tough situation to be in the system and then get elevated to a position, or um, was it? Did it make things a lot easier for you? Yeah, and Joe did it differently. You know, Joe went on, became a head coach outside of WestCon before coming back. I, so he might be able to speak to the other way. 
for me, it was much easier. Um, Joe and the guys, the Kurt Sharakas and um, Paul Opelices, these guys laid a great foundation. Uh, Coach John Servino, obviously, brought us all in and laid a great foundation um, to when I got here as an assistant. And uh, we, we continued to improve to where um, Coach Servino's last year, we were 10 and 1. So there were a lot of good football players um, that were on the squad, you know, when I took over and, you know, directly had a hand in recruiting all them. I knew all them. Um, John did a great job with organizational things. So practice plans and recruiting plans, a lot of that was laid out where I maybe tweaked some things, but he was terrific when it came to the organizational parts of the program and really left it on solid ground. I knew I knew Mr. Farrington. I knew Ed Farrington. You know, the people that were in the program, I knew. When I took over at Western Connecticut, I, I took over at Princeton, I knew the campus. I knew the area. There was only one player on the team whose uncle was a teammate of mine that I knew. I knew one assistant coach. That was it. So you're really starting from scratch in building relationships. I didn't have to build relationships at WestCon, which, which really helped that part of it. Uh, you have to admit, though, Coach Law, a little bit of a difference in in head coaching personalities, let's put it that way, as the transition goes from Coach Servino to <laughs> Coach Ceres. And, and both successful coaches, without question, but yeah, a little bit different. You know what's interesting is is there's a lot of funny stories out there about John Servino, right? But I'm sure Bob would agree with me, and most of the guys that coach with him, we learned a lot of football, and it was more structure. It was more crossing the T's, dotting the I's, getting young coaches ready and stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, I give John Servino a lot of credit as far as my success, and especially before I got to Western Connecticut, of laying the groundwork of how to become a young coach and then a – I uh, head coach, uh, so there's definitely some positives uh, that I, without a question, learned from from John Servino. There's a chef, I think, at Peter Luger's in New York who uh, says that that John could teach a steak how to cook itself. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. Everything Joe said, though, I I think, and you know, we all started young. Like Western Connecticut was not at the time getting real veteran coaches. You know, I was only in my fifth year when I got there. Uh, a lot of the coaches on the offensive staff were early in their careers, and um, we bonded really well. I said we re-roomed together. We, we shared a lot of different thoughts um, all the time. But John taught us so much, and he, he pushed, you know, he pushed and pushed and pushed um, that way. And I, I think there were times players or coaches were frustrated but you look back at it and how successful they become as people, you know, after college, um, you know, there's a, a lot of great success stories due to him. Joe, what would you say was, was Bob's trademark at Westcon during your time working as assistant coaches together? You know, it, if you, if you had to capsulize what he brought to the table. Well, I think, I think obviously when you, when you talk about Bob, you talk about just a guy that's organized a guy that understands football, uh, a guy that, you know, sometimes when you're an off and Bob comes as an offensive line coach, uh, 
you, you wonder, or not really wonder, but do they understand the big picture? And Bob's a big was a big picture O line guy, which is unusual in football, especially as a younger coach. And really, that's the thing that probably impressed me the most early, besides his personality and get along with guys, was being a big picture offensive line coach as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, well, and you were a center during your college days, right? Correct. And a very good one. We should also toss into the mix. Yeah, Bob, who's your quarterback again? <laughs> Jason Garrett. Um, so I, I did see the ball being thrown. You know, I was like blocking somebody and it might go over my head. But, um, you know, I, I think fortunately, you know, and, and Joe worked with Kirk Scirocco, who's I think been the coordinator of three Power Five programs. And in Scirocco, like John, John Savino, to his credit, he did not want to make these huge changes to the offense. You, you know, he wanted to keep the uh, – uh, the scheme similar. You want to keep the, the verbiage, the language similar. And Sharaka came up and spent, you know, 15 hours with me going through it and helped me along to what the thought process was um, with that. And, uh, you know, there was some, you know, a lot of a lot of good guys on that staff as well that, that added uh, a lot of uh, insight. Yeah, if you could ever have a dream team type of staff at, at- – Division three, you know, I, 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 out there, if you're out there, anybody who could show me a division three program that had, that just dripped with that much coaching talent, hey, come on, we'll give you, we'll give you, I'll, I'll give you my, this was, hand, this shirt was handed to me by Amos Alonzo Stagg himself, Coach Serenes. I want to let you know, it's that old school Westcott. Uh, but I'll give you this shirt off my back if you can come up with a staff that was that good, that talented. Well, I think if you look at the history of Western Connecticut, going back to Coach uh, Pascaloni, yeah. same type of guys. And if you look at the guys, I've had a bunch of young coaches come through here in the last really nine years, and, and I always say to them, my primary goal is to help them find their next full-time coaching job. And we've had a ton of guys, like my offensive coordinator just left uh, – you know, a month or two ago, he's at Lincoln University as the offensive coordinator. So it's part of our job at this level, especially at Western Connecticut, to recruit young, raw coaches and then hopefully develop them. You know, today we did a whole thing this morning about coaching progressions uh, with our young coaches. Develop them and then hopefully get them their next best job because that's part of college coaching, which shows the window of getting your next job as a young coach, too, at Western Connecticut. How do you do it? At Princeton, not just with with getting coaches in, but getting uh, getting the right players, because there's a different economic thing that goes on when you deal with Ivy League football. It is it's not Ohio State, it's not uh, Penn State, it's not Stanford. There's uh, there are different rules and regulations for Ivy League kids. Yeah, and, and, you know, working at Western Connecticut, it was non-scholarship, and you're in great areas, right? If you drive in the Western Connecticut campus, beautiful, right? The, you know, the two campuses. You know, Princeton has an amazing campus. You know, the Division One level, you're going to have resources that are a little bit, uh, you know, more than, you know, having coached at both levels in the Division Three level. So you're able to utilize those resources, um, to aid you in recruiting, to we, we recruit nationally. 
Um, Coach Pasqualoni, we had developed a relationship, um, Coach Zarino did, in going up to uh, Syracuse when he was there. And I got the job, and he reached out to me the first day and, uh, you know, talked to me about recruiting, that, you know, you get the lineman from Connecticut, (laughs) but the speed is in Jersey and New York. And, you know, he he gave this great insight that was really true. You know, on the whole, like, there's going to be exceptions, but that was largely, you know, how we did things um, that way. It was great insight. Um, you know, there's you, you talk about the things that are attractive to your school, right? Whether it's the academic environment, the the, the strength coaches, the those type things, and then you find out it doesn't matter whether what school you're at. What does the recruit actually want? What does he want his college experience to be? You, you know, what are they looking for? And, you know, try to build relationships. And, you know, that was the one thing that Joe and um, I had recruited to the extent that I did at WestCon. And, and guys like Joe really led the showed the ropes on the building relationships and, and really being open and getting to know the high school coaches, the families of recruits and the prospects themselves. Now you do uh, bring a little bit more in terms of oomph maybe when you're recruiting a kid at Princeton because uh, you spend a little time in the National Football League, albeit with the Bengals and not Coach Law's beloved Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, when I, when I had that opportunity, uh, Mr. Farrington, who we all know, um, my wife loved like Connecticut, that area. Like we just loved Connecticut that way. And it's such an attractive place and everything else. And I had only been the head coach for two years. I felt like I owed a debt to Mr. Farrington and who had hired me in the, uh, um, in the players. And my wife didn't want to go. She was the head soccer coach at Staples high school. She was an administrator. And Ed basically told me he was going to let me go. He was going to fire me if I didn't take the job. (laughs) (laughs) This is such a, you know, know, the NFL doesn't call back. You don't get the second call that you have to take it this time because you may never get the opportunity again. And that's one of the most unselfish things anybody's ever done because, you you know, I I, I loved, I, I just, it was really hard to tear yourself away from the players you become so close with in a community that you really enjoyed. Did you um, ever think about going back to the National Football League? His AD is listening right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I will say, um, uh, you, know, you, all have, you know, you have a place in Princeton. My wife went to Princeton. I went to Princeton. Um, the way I recruited my wife to take the job in the NFL, even though Ed told me he was going to fire me, I think my wife was okay with me being unemployed <laughs> that way. Um, I told her that, you know, when I got into coaching, my dream job was Princeton. And um, that I, I, no matter how successful we were in Western Connecticut, and we were just like now, we were very successful. I was not going to get the head coaching job at Princeton. But if I go to the NFL and have success, if Princeton ever opens up, I'm going to have an opportunity potentially. And she believed me. So I'm a good recruiter, I guess. And, <laughs> and it, it did happen. So, um, you, you know, I, I ended up getting back. And I love college football. The 18 to 22 year old age is such an impactful time 
you were, were taking, um, you know, uh, uh, student athletes that have freedoms for the first time. You, you know, we have a, you know, even at Princeton, we have a number of kids that are first generation college students that way. You know, we have a very diverse team when it comes to the high socioeconomic, low socioeconomic, all the guy, all the players from different backgrounds, races, like coaching college football. There's nothing better than that period of time if you, you want to impact people, right? If you want to make this large impact on people that are uh, in, in that age group. And, you know, I, I know Joe, you know, the impact he's making at Western Connecticut it's very fulfilling, you know, when you see those kids graduate or achieve success. And even when we came back for the 50th anniversary, seeing those guys that I get coached, you know, maybe 20 years before, you know, that way and seeing them successful because they wouldn't have gone to Western Connecticut without football, right? They were going to be football players and often with a 16 year old that leads it and believing in the process that them getting an education and them learning values is going to help you win games and it's going to help them be successful and just really enjoyed that. Bob, I know you got to run, but before you go away, love to get your all-time favorite Westcon memory. And there were a lot of, I mean, you're a head coach for two, assistant, but then a head coach for two years. There are a lot of great games in that stretch, but for you, what's what's the bestest? <laughs> oh, there's so many. There's some you probably can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't want to turn this into Coach Servino roast because we have so much fun roasting him on other times, um, and, and he was a big part of all of them. But um, I, we we had a guy on our team uh, named Damian Sumter. It was my first game as a head coach. And his nickname was Biz. He was a gold gloves boxing champion, everything else. And we tested in the power clean. And the power clean as a lift wasn't big back in like the 1990s. You know, when I played, we did power clean in the 1980s. And Biz was a very competitive guy. And I think he did like 185 without ever power cleaning before in his life, like 25 times. And he wrenched his back. I had a thing where each guy had a note card. They had to write down their three goals. And his goal was to be the L5 on the kickoff team. He didn't practice until the Wednesday before the game. And I threw him in there. <laughs> and the coaches looked at me cross-eyed. I'm like, look, I believe in this guy. He's the, one of the most talented guys. Let's see what he does. We're playing Marist in that first game. Biz runs down the field on the, on the kickoff. He hits the ball knocks the ball out of the kick returner. We recover on about the five yard line and it ends up leading us to, I think the, the final score is about 42 to 13 or something like that. We're an incredible like victory. And I think right then the coaches are like, Oh, maybe he does know what he's doing. Hmm. <laughs> and it was more that this guy, you could tell and in, you know, recruiting him and everything else. He was a, a, a no doubt about it. Star quality player. And um, that, that ball popping out, I, I just, it was like slow motion. We got to wrap things up. I know he's a, Bob is a busy guy. He's a full-time, full-time, full-time Ivy League championship coach. So he's got a busy schedule. We realize this, but we appreciate you being here. You've had such great success there. It makes us proud. It's like, 
It's like watching. It's like watching the kids grow up and go and do wonderful things. Well, you're you know you're part of that group. Having Coach Loth come back and have great success here, having you do it, what you're doing, La Police up in in Canada. It's it's all good stuff, Bobby. Yeah, well, Bart, I feel the same way, and the connection with Joe, like really right from the start of my time at Western Connecticut. And um, seeing what he's done and following Western Connecticut and uh, even sometimes in the winter, you, you know, they'll come down and we'll meet, talk football. And some of my coaches coached Division Three football and coached against him. And you ran a fake punt, I guess, against Salve Regina. <laughs> yeah. And Mike White still game. talks about he still <laughs> talks about that fake punt and how he was in charge of like the punt return team and how you outcoached him. And it just bothers him to this day. <laughs> and, and that's Joe, how prepared he is. And well, like Western Connecticut couldn't have a better football coach. And you, you know, you, you get the papers on side, still get the paper. I don't go on the internet. And, and on Sundays, I, you know, Westcon on the left side of the column week in, week out, like I beam, like I'm, I'm like thrilled every time they're on that left side of the column. And, you know, more often than not, way more often than not, Joe's got them uh, um, successful, which is awesome. And one last thing. When's opening uh, opening day? Uh, baseball or football? Football. <laughs> you talk, well, he's got football. a spring ball okay. first I thought, now. I thought you were asking me a trick question here. <laughs> no, 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 no. no uh, I just for, want to just... Princeton, Princeton, September 18th at Stetson. We're going down to Florida. Ooh. All right. Well, we may have to chat with you before then, Coach. You know, bring you, bring you back for an encore. Yeah, Bob, appreciate you coming yeah. on today. Yeah, no problem, Joe. Anytime. You yep. guys know that. Thank you, Bart. Thank you, Joe. Yep, have a good day. Yep, you too. Thank you. Well, Coach, uh, we've been a few weeks into the the podcast and kind of run the, the gamut a little bit. We've been talking about, uh, and we've mentioned it with some of the folks, Spring football. For for those who don't know, what is spring football all about? Well, you know what's funny? When I, I used to coach out at SMU in Texas and stuff like that, and and they used to say there's two seasons, you know, down in there's only two seasons down in Texas. There's football and spring football. You know, that's all there is. And spring football is just the opportunity to practice in the spring. Uh, do your install, offensive install, defense install, kind of uh, develop guys more than anything else. A lot of times, you know, when you come into football as a freshman, uh, you learn about scout team for the first time in your life, or meaning you're simulating the other team during the fall, and and sometimes you're not getting developed as much as you want. You play some JV games and, and that, but really spring goes back around to camp where it's really offense versus defense. Everyone's getting developed. You're just running your stuff against your defense, and uh, it's it's a great time as a coach to try some new things. It's a great time for as, for a player to learn the system, move up the depth chart, and really make an impact. Yeah, and, and the the other thing is is that it would just be too long a layoff. I don't care what level of football you're playing; it'd be too long a layoff from regular season. And I know everybody needs their bodies to recoup and all that sort of stuff. But considering uh, that there still are restrictions here and there, you you need to have that spring season so things get retained when it comes time and you're back for the fall. And, you know, the nice thing about our level is we go, we get 16 opportunities, 12 are with just helmets. 
and really it's kind of the NFL OTA model where you're really going out there. You can still do some things. You can still simulate plays and do all those things, but you're really limiting injuries. Then we're allowed to have four days and just uppers where you can do a few other things. Uh, so it's a great model of le- learning, teaching, developing, and, but also limiting injuries. Yeah, so that's the bottom line. Uh, spring football will be here, and it'll be a beautifully glorious thing for anybody. Yeah, Jones. yeah Tuesday through Friday, uh, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the month of April, except for Good Friday. Practices are open. 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Okay. It's pretty early for you, right, Bart? <laughs> no, it's not early for me to be awake. It's too early for me to think about physicality. Let's put it that way. Joe Loth, as always, a pleasure to be here for the Westcott Football Podcast. We thank our guest, Bob Sarace, and we thank all of you for being with us. And we want to remind you, you can always send a message, email coach, football at wcsu.edu, football at wcsu.edu, and you'll always find the football program all over social media, pumping out info for alumni, fans, etc. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks to our crew. We'll be talking to you soon on the Westcon Football Podcast. The Westcon Football Podcast is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WCSU Podcasts. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.